You're listening to Locally Sourced Science. Your connection to the scientific discoveries happening in the Finger Lakes community. Welcome to this September 3rd, 2019 edition of Locally Sourced Science. I'm Esther Rakusin. And I'm Luisa Torres. The theme of our show today is what I did last summer. First off, you'll hear a new podcast feature produced by four undergraduate students who were interns this summer at the Boyce Thompson Institute for Planned Research, or BTI, on the Cornell University campus. They participated in the Research Experiences for Undergraduates, or REU, program that took place at BTI. This program is funded by the National Science Foundation. Later on in the show, I'll interview my co-host, Dr. Luisa Torres, about her summer experience participating in the American Association for the Advancement of Sciences, or AAAS, Mass Media Science and Engineering Fellowship. During her fellowship, Luisa was an intern at National Public Radio, also known as NPR, and she wrote for the NPR blogs Shots, Goats and Soda, and The Salt. Finally, Patricia Waldron will present science events for the beginning of September. Let's get started. Here's our first feature about college undergraduates spending their summer exploring science research. Hi, my name is Marty Alani, and I am a guest producer for Locally Sourced Science. I recently completed an REU, or Research Experience for Undergraduates, program at Boyce Thompson Institute, and a few friends and I wanted to make a podcast to talk about our experience. I worked in Dr. George Jander's lab at BTI. Stefanos Stravaravdis worked in Dr. Zhang Junfei's lab and BTI as well. Erica Sawyer worked in Dr. Miguel Pineros's lab at the Robert Holly USDA Center, and Chris Morales-Farfan worked in Dr. Adrian Roeder's lab, which is in Weill Hall at Cornell. So now, here's the show. Hello, and welcome to Seedlings Speak, a podcast where we're following four BTI interns who are working in different labs and seeing where they came from, what they're doing right now, and where they're going to go in the future with what they've learned from this internship program. I'm Marty, and I'm in the Jander Lab, which focuses on plant-insect interactions. Hi, my name is Erica, and I work with Dr. Miguel Pineros and Srinivasan Krishnan in the USDA ARS Lab, and we work on fluorescent space strategies used to study protein-protein interactions. Hello, I'm Stephanos. I work in the Fade Lab, and I am learning and applying bioinformatics skills to analyze two genomes of tomato species in order to identify variations that might be present. Hi, I'm Chris, and I'm working in the Rotor Lab, and we are specifically looking at shoot apical meristems in moss and its development. 
Now we're going to go into some questions where we're going to ask each intern about their past experiences in science. What were your expectations pursuing a field in science? Um, what did you really think it would be like to enter the field? Both of my parents are scientists, and so from a young age I really thought that I would really want to do science, but I didn't have an idea of what working in science was like. So I had very few expectations of what, um, what I would be actually doing. Um, for me personally, I didn't really know um, anyone who was working in research, so all of my ideas about what it would be like working in science came from the media. So for me personally, I thought it would be a lot more stressful than I found it to be, and also I felt like it took someone who was a lot smarter than me uh, to do this kind of work. But in reality, like I found that although it's like a little bit fast-paced, it's not high stress, and it's definitely something that um, a lot of people can do. You know, science is super diverse, and there are a lot of opportunities uh, for everyone to get into like their little niche in science. When I first thought about entering science research, I always assumed that you'd have to be creating everything from the ground up on your own. You really wouldn't have that great of guidance because I assumed it was kind of a more individualistic effort. But I have pleasantly found that you're not really entering on your own. There's someone there to help guide you, at least in the beginning, and to help build those skills so that you can actually function more independently. In my experience, I thought it was going to be a lot more fast-paced, a lot more um, measuring and mixing chemicals or making PCRs. But in my case, it was more literature-based, a lot more researching, a lot more reading, and a lot of preparing of patients more than anything else. It wasn't as intensive as I thought it would be. Now we're each going to talk about our projects this summer. To start, Chris's project was about looking at stem cell formation in moss and how that differs from mechanisms in other well-known plants, such as Arabidopsis, the mustard plant, which is widely used in plant research. In my project, we look at the Shurepokal meristem in moss. The Shurepokal meristem is the source of stem cells which become part of organs and bulk of the stem, helping the development of leaves, flowers, and overall growth. We know how it is regulated in Arabidopsis but we don't know how it works in moss. So we looked at two regulatory components, cytokinin hormones and clavonogenes. By manipulating the concentrations of hormones and using the microscope to capture three-dimensional images, we analyzed to get an idea of how these um, components are interacting to create the abnormal phenotype. I worked on a plant called erysimum, also known as wallflower, to learn about how important insect defense chemicals called cardiac glycosides are made. I'm working with this plant which is related to Arabidopsis and that's really helpful for us because we're looking at this very cool metabolite that it produces. Called, they're called cardiac glycosides. We're trying to see how they're produced in the plant and how we can modify their production and it's it's interesting for me because I'm diving in very early on. Very little is known about how they're produced. So I'm able to pretty much try anything. So I'm um, applying hormones without necessarily wondering whether they will or will not affect the cardiac glycosides. I'm really diving in in a kind of a pure curiosity way, and I think that's really cool. Erica's work was focused on developing a new technique to understand how proteins interact with one another. 
my project differs a little bit from other people's research in the sense that I don't actually work with plants or even have to look at plants. Um, I study plant proteins. The lab that I'm working with is interested in deducing like the structure and the function of various proteins involved in plant behavior. And in order to do that, we need to develop better techniques to sort of figure out how they're interacting with one another and how the subunits of the protein assemble, that kind of thing. So what we're doing this summer is looking at three proteins of interest involved in plant physiology and figuring out ways to tag them with the fluorescent protein and then using fluorescence microscopy as well. We're determining the number of subunits in each protein and then how um, one protein in particular interacts with a second protein. Finally, Stephanos had a bioinformatically focused project where he compared the genomes of two tomato species. My project also different from some of these other projects in that uh, not only do I not even work with plants, I don't really do any wet lab work at all. I'm honestly just working in front of a computer and I'm using a series of bioinformatic analyses and tools to look at two different tomato genomes. One of them is for the tomato species and varieties that we all know and see in the supermarket versus a smaller wild species known as a progenitor and I'm essentially comparing the two genomes in order to find any large structural differences that, uh, between the chromosomes. We're trying to see for these large differences because they might help identify maybe some important or useful traits that the wild variety has that the cultivated variety now is lacking. And so if we can kind of identify some of these structural differences, uh, breeders can maybe incorporate some new good traits into the cultivated species so we have even better tomatoes uh, on our shelves. Now, each of us will talk about how our primary interests relate to our experiences this summer. Now that we've kind of talked about our projects here, how many of us are actually working with projects that are related to our primary interests and I mean if we are or not how might we be using our experiences here to help further our future. Yeah so I love working with plants and specifically I, I really want to be focusing on agriculture on our food systems and I think that yeah my work right now is really important because I'm working with like full plants and I'm, I'm looking at the mechanisms that they resist insect feeding. I think that yeah, I can use the different techniques that I'm learning and the different information that I'm learning about the plants through reading papers. I think I can definitely use that in my future, and I really love it. <laughs> um, so what I'm working on this summer doesn't have a whole lot to do what I'm interested in. So I'm a pre-med student and also a biochemistry major. But what I'm interested in is human cellular physiology working on things related to immunology and disease and like human pathogen interactions and stuff like I'm very interested in that at the cellular level. What I'm doing this summer is basically studying the same types of molecules and doing the same sort of work I would be doing with human cells just in a plant-based system. And so the techniques that I'm learning this summer to do in the lab are things that I would like to apply going forward um, doing research in human medical science. Well. I don't really study plants at all at my school. I find myself more interested in microbes, in particular bacteria. Although 
the tomatoes are not really my area of study back home, I do find the bioinformatic techniques that I'm learning pretty invaluable. I mean, if you're doing wet lab, you're going to need to eventually analyze your data. And so as you develop your skills to work with computers, to work with programs, you can be a lot more efficient and effective at statistically analyzing your data. So although my data is, that I'm working with is more comparison to genomes, that's still some sort of technical skill that I can then apply to lab work uh, back at home or for any future research. Unlike the rest of us, Chris doesn't exactly have a future in biology in mind. My project isn't like related to what I want to go into at all. I am a biology major, but that's uh, also attached to a psychology major that I'm also pursuing. My main goal is to get a career in psychology, specifically IO psychology. In other words, is psychology of the workplace. I feel like this uh, experience that I'm getting in the lab is a really good experience for just research overall that I can apply to research in psychology. So all of the things like funding and collaborations, the nature of all of those things can easily be transferable to a field like psychology. Science is a long-term commitment and the summer-long program is usually too short to finish a project. But that said, there's still a lot to gain from these sorts of experiences. In many circumstances, people don't know what they even want to study. So experiences such as this one are pretty good ways to kind of sample and understand what you like, what you don't like. Most of the interns here don't have a strong plant science background or um, what they're doing this summer isn't really like directly on par with what they want to do in the future. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of what students are doing is developing lab skills in terms of learning techniques, soft skills in terms of like problem solving. And with such a short amount of time doing our projects, we can't really dive into the projects themselves, but we get to talk with other scientists, learn about how they got where they are because they're a lot farther ahead than we are. So, after this internship experience, what do the non-plant people think about plants and working in plant sciences? Uh, I do have more of an appreciation for plants, I will say that, since I've come here, since they weren't even in my radar. I mean, plant biology is cool, but nah, no, I really, it's not something I would like to do, and it's just that plant biology isn't really my calling. I don't feel passionate about it, which is not a bad thing, right? So Chris wasn't exactly convinced, but everyone agrees that studying plants does have a high value, and much more than it did for them in the past. No, no, like, although I don't want to go into plant science, I have also developed, like, a much greater um, appreciation for plants and the work that's being done, and I think it's super important. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, without getting the exposure to different ideas, you'll just see everything from one view. Finally, we asked everyone, why does our scientific research even matter? So, one more question, and you know, this is the dreaded one that I know I've heard many times. So, why does it really matter? What, what exactly drew your work in, and what's important about it? The reason I think that I was interested in all these things um, is one, because like I find science like super rewarding or it has a lot of potential to benefit society. All this stuff has like really big impacts, and I think that that's like super awesome. And then I really like it just because I think it's really cool, and I like the the type of work that you do is how to expand the knowledge that we have, basically like how the world works. Like I think like my curiosity drives me towards that.
there's a lot of reasons why I believe research matters, and quite honestly, it, has, it just has to do with the sheer breadth of different projects it can do, and all the little things that you can learn from them, and it's just, it's kind of amazing. There's very many interesting applications that can be very directly human-related or not, but in general, research is just... It's it's just so interesting, honestly. It's just as you're building up the knowledge, there's just so much that you can then learn, apply, or if you don't want to apply, at least you're learning something. And so that's the end of the program. Thank you for listening to us talking about our research experiences, and I hope we've encouraged some young people to look into science as a career. Thanks to Chris, Stephanos, and Erica for telling their stories. Mike Carroll of BTI and Mark Sharvari of Cornell for recording help, and Delaney Sickler for logistical help. Our music is from Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Marty Alani, and thanks for listening. I'm Luisa Torres. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Locally Sourced Science. You can listen to Locally Sourced Science every other Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. at wrfi.org. Our next show will be on Tuesday, September 17th. And you can also subscribe to new episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast apps. Head to our website at locallysourcedscience.org for podcast links and our show archive. And we're always looking for new volunteers that would like to work on interviews and help produce our science show. If you're interested, you can email us at locallysourcedscience at gmail.com or tweet at us at FLX Science Radio. I'm Esther Rakusen. I'm very excited to have the chance to interview my co-host, Dr. Luisa Torres, about her summer experience. She recently completed an American Association for the Advancement of Science, or AAAS, Mass Media Fellowship in Science and Engineering. Dr. Torres was a postdoctoral fellow at Cornell University, where she did research on the effects of chronic infection with the parasite Toxoplasma gondii on the appearance of signs of Alzheimer's disease in mice. She is a current staff writer at IntelliSpark. So, Luisa, thank you very much for talking with me today. Thank you for having me. First off, why did you decide to apply for the AAAS Mass Media Fellowship? Yeah, so I was, as a grad student and as a postdoc, I was always looking for opportunities to talk about science to a broader audience. But there were two problems with the way I was doing it, because um, I was doing a lot of blogging about science, but the problem was that I was only doing it on the side because I was a full-time scientist at the time. And so I always felt like I wasn't doing it enough. And then the other problem is that, yes, I was doing a lot of blogging, but it was only me doing all the writing and the editing, so I didn't really have any anyone to give me feedback. And that was fine for a while, but it kind of got to the point where, you know, like, I really need to know what I can do to improve, and I really need somebody that can tell me, you know, what else I can do to move this forward. And so that's why the AAAS Mass Media Fellowship was so great, because, I really got a really good taste of what being a journalist is like for 10 full weeks and what it is like to do that full time. And also, I really like to, I got to work with a lot, a lot of great editors that gave me really great feedback. And, you know, it was the kind of feedback that 
I could use to write a better story and to improve as a science communicator. So it, it was a really great experience. So you worked at National Public Radio. Yeah. Everyone knows it's NPR. Can you describe what your daily responsibilities were? Yeah, so I was mainly coming up for story ideas because I was writing for three of NPR's blogs. Uh, one was called Shots. I was also writing for Goats and Soda and The Salt. And so those are very three different blogs. And so I was kind of coming up for ideas for those and pitching those ideas to the editors. And then once those ideas were approved, I had to look for what sources I was going to interview, then do the interviews over the phone, record them, and then based on those interviews, do the story. For shots, is that <laughs> actually vaccines or is it something else? Shots is about medicine. So those, that's the blog you would go to if you wanted to know about the latest discoveries in science. And how about yeah. the very unusually named Goats and Soda? Yeah, Goats and Soda was so named because the person that started the blog traveled to Africa and he came back and he said that all he saw was Goats and Soda. And so they wanted to do a blog on global health and that's how they came up with the name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the blog is about uh, global health and health in the developing world. So that's where you would go for for stories on, on that subject. Um, so for that blog, I wrote about I, I got to do a really cool, cool story on Colombia and how the Venezuela crisis is affecting the health system in Colombia. Uh, there's been 1.5 million Venezuelans that have migrated into Colombia in the last year and a half. And Colombia is doing absolutely everything it can to help Venezuelan migrants, but its own healthcare system is struggling. So the story was about how, you know, you know, government that's struggling to provide health to its own citizens it's also doing everything it can to help migrants mm. um and yeah and so those are the kind of stories you could find in goats and soda um today there was a story published on hiv outbreaks in children in pakistan and then a few days before there was also a story on children in zambia who had really high levels of lead mm. so yeah those are the kind of stories you can find there so yeah it's very different from shots because it's not you know, science uh, per se, but it's about health. Public health. Yeah, public health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're the communications officer for the neuropharmacology division of the American Society for Pharmacology and Experimental Therapeutics, also known as ASPET. And you're the editor of the ASPET, ASPET neuropharmacology blog. So I'm wondering, did your previous blogging experience help you in working on these NPR blogs? Yes, it definitely helped. So for that particular blog, I was writing about the science that ASPET members were doing and doing a lot of interviews with ASPET members, doing a lot of writing about that science. Um, But like I said, I wasn't getting any feedback. So, um, But it was still very helpful to get to write about science for a broader public. I was also writing for a blog here at Cornell. We had a blog in my department where I was doing basically the same thing, just interviewing scientists in the the Cornell faculty and just promoting the great science going on at Cornell. And the other thing that helped me a lot was my experience here with locally sourced science. I also got to do a few interviews before I went to to NPR. And that was very helpful because, you know, when you're a journalist full time, you have to be very comfortable, you know, cold calling people and, and sending cold emails, getting sources. And that was really, really helpful because it would have been really difficult to do you know, without having that experience. What is one of the most memorable things that you learned during your internship? 
so I think this experience was really great because with each story I learned something new um, and because the three blocks were very different I got to write about very different things and so one of my favorite stories that I got to write was Four Shots, um, the medicine blog. Um, I was talking to a scientist, uh, interviewing them about um, how to prevent falls in older adults. And this was a scientist that did research on Tai Chi and how that's really helpful for older adults to do because it prevents falls. Um, But she also mentioned that older adults take a lot of medicines like sleep medicine and opioids that puts them at risk for falling. And so that gave me the idea of writing a story about how older adults end up taking a lot of medications and what they can do to talk to their doctors to reduce their number of medications, because that's a really common problem in older adults. And that was really my favorite story uh, to write. Yeah. And what are some of the science blogs that you think our listening audience should explore? So definitely check out Shots if you want to learn about medicine and health. If you're in, now NPR publishes a lot of articles that give you advice on how to improve your health and things like that. Uh, the Salt is about food. So if you want to know about science and food, you can check that out. And Goats and Soda is about global health. So you can check that if you want to know about health in the developing world. Okay, well, Dr. Luisa Torres, thank you very much for talking with me today about your summer experience in the AAAS Mass Media Science and Engineering Fellowship. Thank you so much for having me, Esther. Now here's Patricia Waldron with some of this month's science events. Hello, this is Patricia Waldron with upcoming science events in the Finger Lakes area. The Cornell Botanic Garden offers garden tours every Saturday at 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. through September 28th. Participants meet at the Nevin Welcome Center and take a guided stroll through the herb, flower, and ground cover collections at the garden. At the Welcome Center, you can also see the exhibit, Ash Trees, A Story of Relationships, Loss, and Hope, created by Cornell graduate student Bailey Hopkins Hensley. The exhibit shows the impact of the emerald ash borer, an invasive insect that has killed millions of ash trees in North America since its arrival in 2002. The exhibit also showcases the current events to prevent the continued loss of ash trees and the use of ash to make baskets. The Corning Museum of Glass will hold a family night at the museum on September 13th from 6 to 8 p.m. The event celebrates the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, and explores the role that glass has played in space exploration. For example, the outer layer of spacesuits and the insulation for the spacecraft is made out of fiberglass. Also, participants can touch the window of the Gemini spacecraft, which was designed at Corning to withstand the heat of re-entry into Earth's atmosphere. At this free event, kids can also watch live glass-blowing demonstrations, make their own foil-printed mooncraft, and learn how to moonwalk. At the Paleontological Research Institute in Ithaca, September 14th is Fossil ID Day. This event occurs every second Saturday of the month from 10 a.m. to noon. Participants can bring in their own fossil finds and interesting rocks and receive help in identifying them. Also on Saturday, September 14th, the Copernic Observatory and Science Center in Vestal, New York, is holding an event called Apples, Apples, Apples from 10.30 a.m. until noon. In this class, kids will have the opportunity to learn about the life cycle of an apple tree, taste different apple products, and vote for their favorite kinds of apples. Participants will also receive apple seeds and directions on how to grow their own apple tree. The Groundswell Incubator Farm, located in Ithaca, is holding a sunset soiree on Thursday, September 19th, starting at 5 p.m. At the event, Groundswell members will give tours of its incubator farm, 
a program that helps new farmers to establish their operations in an effort to diversify the farming community while making our food system more sustainable. There will also be music and complimentary snacks. The event is free, but they ask that you RSVP at groundswellcenter.org. And that's it for upcoming events in the Finger Lakes area. And that's all for the September 3rd, 2019 edition of Locally Sourced Science. I'm Esther Rakusin, and I produce today's show. Marty Alani, Stephanos Drophorodis, Erica Sawyer, and Chris Morales-Farfan produce the podcast about the Summer RU program at Boyce Thompson Institute. Patricia Waldron produced the Science Events Calendar. I'm Luisa Torres, co-host for today's show. We also thank Joe Lewis and Cece Gianniotti for the opening theme and Blue Dot Sessions for their music. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the new episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast apps. Head to our website at locallysourcedscience.org for podcast links and our show archive. If you have any upcoming science events that you would like us to mention in our show, write to locallysourcedscience at gmail.com or tweet at us at FLX Science Radio. Science out.